Welcome to the Praying and Slaying Podcast, a Light the Fire Outdoors production, where meatheads Aaron and John take you through a day in the life of the Praying and Slaying lifestyle. Without further ado, here's the next episode of the Praying and Slaying Podcast. What's up, Praying and Slaying Podcast listeners? This is A.A. Ron. Coming at you with another podcast from the Praying and Slaying series, a Light the Fire Outdoors production. Uh, today, got a little bit different format. We're trying out some new things here and another solo contribution coming at you from yours truly. And uh, a lot of things been going on, a lot of things been reflecting on, and it's uh, our favorite time of the year. It is officially hunting season. So we've been out doing all kinds of hunting, uh, bow hunting, upland bird hunting. Uh, rifle seasons opened up for antelope a while back, which is actually the core message of this podcast. And uh, rifle season actually just opened this past weekend here for elk and deer here in Montana. So that's been super exciting. Got the uh, little lady out after some mule deer this last weekend. No luck, but hey, you know what? That's how it goes. It's hunting. Uh, we're going to keep keep grinding on that wheel and get her her first buck hopefully this year. She's aiming at a mule deer buck, so we're going to see if we can't make that happen. But uh yeah, so it's been, I uh, hope everybody's been doing well. Uh, we got the election coming up. That's obviously exciting and stressful at the same time. Don't get too stressed. And remember that uh, the Bible tells us, um, you know, that uh, there isn't a leader put in place in this world that doesn't have, uh, that God didn't put there. So rest assured on that. And uh, anyway, go out and do your due diligence, cast your vote, and make sure you're a part of it. If you have a, an opinion on it, you should be out there voting on it, and that's the best we can do. So that's been uh, exciting. Hopefully uh, this year's wrapping up good for you. Everybody's out there. It's hunting time and blowing some steam off that way, getting out in the tree stand, which is my favorite place to reflect and just get quiet, something we don't do too much of anymore. Um, but yeah, so part of uh, what I want to get into today is, is antelope season, man. It's my, it very quickly became my favorite animal to eat uh, and quite possibly my favorite animal to chase. It's just a different animal. I've wanted to shoot an antelope since I was a little kid watching the hunting channel. Um, you know, a lot of guys set their sights on the, the big animals like your grizzly bears, moose, uh, caribou, elk is a huge one for most people that's on their bucket list. But for whatever reason, I always had a dream of shooting an antelope. I'm not really sure why. You know, I really got excited watching, you know, antelope being shot over water holes, you know, out of a ground blind or whatever. Some of the most uh, memorable TV shows I <laughs> have logged in my brain are all antelope. So anyway, I got out after my first one uh, last year in Wyoming, and that was an awesome experience. Got to go down there with some good buddies, some veterans uh, of the Army. You know, as sad as that might be that they were in the Army, uh, I have to plug that. It's uh, it's a requirement as an Air Force vet myself. Uh, you have to plug a shameless poke at any other branch that's out there and uh, anyway my buddy justin wilson invited me down he was kind enough to invite me down with his group last year to get on my first antelope uh drew a doe tag and uh was lucky enough to go down there and, and smoke one at 315 yards my 270 uh, still working on putting the video together on that check it out at light the outdoors.com um gonna be putting that one up and then uh getting into today you're gonna hear a story about another video you'll see on light the so more to come on that but anyway, uh, antelope, they're such an awesome animal. They're just totally different than anything I've ever hunted before. And, uh, you know, you get to get out and, you know, moving here to Montana totally changed the way 
that I, you know, thought about hunting. You know, I grew up in the Midwest in Iowa, uh, moved to the East Coast for a few years via the Air Force, and uh, a lot of just sitting still hunting. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a totally different style. You know, you're you're sitting up in a tree stand, basically waiting for something to walk by. Hopefully, you put yourself in the right place. You know, fast forward all the way till a few years ago, and now we're here in Montana, and, and hunting totally changed. You're out there, you're chasing the animal down, you're spotting it from way off. And antelope's no different. Uh, you know, antelope have some of the best eyesight out of any uh, mammal species that's out there. So that's totally different than anything else. You know, they they basically rely on their eyes, and they live in flat, wide open country. It's super tough to get to. Uh, did a little bit of bow hunting here in Montana last year, and that was an extremely humbling experience. Had a few close calls, but ultimately couldn't get it done. And uh, you know, animal antelope's eyesight is something that's super hard to fool. So. Um, just a different animal, you know, it's a, it turns into a more of a long range game, getting close enough for your rifle to do the job, uh, not so much getting close enough for you to do the job. And uh, I got an antelope doe, like I said, 315 yards down there with my buddy Justin. That was awesome. And uh, very, very quickly found out that it is one of the best wild game meets that you can possibly get. Um, we just started a new Facebook page actually called Wild Game Nation. Go check that out on Facebook. Um, basically a community to, for people to share wild game recipes, wild game stories, excuse me, and just their love for, for you know, harvesting and putting food on their table uh, with the wild game opportunities that we have here in the States. We're extremely blessed to be able to hunt and do what we do here in the States. Basically, in all 50 states, you've got so many opportunities to get out there and put you know, food that you took from start to finish and put on your table, you know where it comes from. It's a pretty cool opportunity. So anyway, go check that out. But uh, you're going to see a lot of antelope recipes from us coming up on there as well. And uh, the, just the table fare from an antelope is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, my wife, uh, I'll just say this, the first animal that I've ever had the opportunity to hunt and put meat in the freezer from, um, that she has a hundred percent asked for every single week until that antelope was gone is, has been an antelope. So that was, that tells you something. And she, she grew up with wild game and deer and all that good stuff. But man, I've never heard someone ask for something like antelope as much as she asked to have it for dinner. We did everything from tacos to roasts, uh, made some wild huckleberry, just kind of gourmet, uh, deer loin or antelope loin and some all kinds of crazy stuff, but just amazing table fare. And I have had all kinds of family up here this year in spite of COVID. It's been pretty awesome to be able to be blessed with, uh, people traveling and visiting and get to see, you know, our family, the in-laws, the nephews, and, uh, several of these people are traveling in and out of, of, uh, home here for us have had a chance to try antelope and everybody's loved it. You know, it's kind of a, a controversial meat, so to say, um, you know, down in Wyoming, I remember, so the, basically last year's hunt kind of played out. I, I got down there on a Thursday, everybody else had been hunting, uh, starting that previous Sunday and I had to work and we got minimal time off during that time of the year for us. It's a busy season at Tacticam. You know, obviously if people are out hunting and playing, um, we're selling cameras to them to be able to share their hunts with. So I had to work and I uh, drove down there on a Thursday, um, got down there just in time for it to start raining. So I camped out in my truck, woke up the next morning to a complete muddy mess down in this little ravine. Everybody was camped in. And, uh, you know, when you hear the stories of people getting stuck on roadways out in Montana or in Wyoming, they aren't lying. Uh, when it rains, that stuff turns to absolute gumbo. Your truck slips and slides worse than it ever could on snow or ice. And uh, it's just a fact. It's crazy. It's very easy to get stuck. So basically spent the entire first part of that hunt 
uh, towing everybody else out for whatever reason. Um, my uh, Dodge Eco Diesel, <laughs> shameless plug here, uh, did a great job pulling a few Chevys and Fords out. So that was awesome. Pulled some people's campers out and uh, had a good time doing that. Little uh, nail biting at times, but we got her done. And anyway, we spent the first, uh, so I spent my second night down there, sorry, in a, uh, in a hotel. We drove down there, got dried off, got the trucks cleaned off. Stayed in a hotel because it was just a lot safer instead of being stuck out there and stranded in some uh, some off some dirt roads. And anyway, you walk into a hotel with camouflage on and they're going to ask you what you're hunting. You know, obviously we told them antelope, but I remember the lady at the desk goes, why would you want to eat those disgusting things? And I'm like, are they that bad? She says, yeah. She said, man, she's like, I had one one time and it was absolutely gross. She said, I know several people that think they taste just like sagebrush, yada, 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 yada. They're disgusting animals. So since then, I've had plenty of conversations, and it is, I feel like, a 50-50 split. You draw a line down the middle, people either love or they absolutely hate antelope. There's no there's no gray area on it. So I was kind of curious, but anyway, I shot that doe, got her processed. We, well, we walked up to her, and the, the rest of the guys that were down there, uh, my buddy Justin had to go home early, so I was hunting with some of his friends. And uh, we get up to the antelope, and I'm just kind of having that, you know, in awe moment, first time I'd ever seen one that close, first antelope on the ground, pretty awesome experience. And I remember one of the guys saying, okay, cool, you got her. Let's go ahead and, and keep going after the group. We got one more tag to fill. And I was like, uh, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I should stay here. Let me, let me go ahead and I'll, I'll take care of her. I'll get her, you know, all quartered out and everything, put her in my backpack and I'll hike her out to the road to the truck and I can bring the truck around. So that way it's halfway closer to us. You know, you guys keep going, I'm going to stay here. And they kind of argued with me a little bit about it, but I was pretty adamant. Hey, you know what? I want to get this meat off the bone as fast as I can. Just take care of that meat and get it out to the truck where I know I've got a cooler for, full of ice waiting for it. So we did that. Uh, you know, they, they ultimately agreed. They went off after the rest of them. I took care of my antelope, hiked her out about a mile to the truck and uh, put her on ice and drove the truck around, picked the guys up. And that was about the long and short of that hunt. But uh, anyway, yeah, get home. Um, that meat had a couple days to rest on the, the ice in the cooler. Um, and holy smokes, man, I, there wasn't a single thing that we took off that antelope that wasn't absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it was just fantastic table fare. And anyway, I've, I've you know done a little bit of research since then, and it, I think most of it actually comes from the concept that people just don't take care of that antelope fast enough. You know, most of the time we're out there hunting antelope, especially during early archery season, you're killing that thing, you know, when it's hot outside to you. You're sweating and working your butt off to get to it. It's hot out. And people just don't take care of the meat fast enough, I think. So it spoils. You know, antelope have a little bit higher body temperature than some things. And they've got a little bit uh, different bacteria makeup in them as well. So that, you know, those two factors contribute to the meat spoiling a lot faster than other animals. So you got to make sure you take care of it as fast as you possibly can. Um, and we did that. And it reflected 100% in some of the best meat I've ever had. And this antelope lived in sage country. So if it was going to taste like sage, it would have tasted like sage, but it didn't. So anyway, I say all that to say, you know what, it's one of the first animals I've ever looked at, uh, while driving down the road that I actually look at thinking about how good it tastes more than I think about how fun it is to hunt. And, uh, so this year I put in for tags for Wyoming to go with that group. Again, I put in for tags here in Montana and I got extremely lucky and I drew a buck tag here in Montana. And I also drew a doe tag here in Montana. So hopefully, you know, everything works out and we can get two on the ground. But, uh, as of right now, we've got one on the ground. I'm going to tell you that story story now, but, uh, part of what we're trying to do here at the Pray and Podcast is, you know, bring you guys, 
you know, uh, faith via the outdoors and just our faith journey and, and, and just stories of encouragement. So that's what this is about today. Um, and today's message is just about fellowship, like being part of a community, being uh, in fellowship with other people, um, and how that adds to strength and, and accountability in our lives and, and just gets us through some of the tough times and, and everything else. But it's so important to be a part of some some kind of a community, especially, you know, people of faith. It's, it's even more important to get through these tough trials and things like that uh, with people who are like-minded, people who can encourage you, people who can tell you you're wrong, people who can, you know, keep you on that right path and just keep you straight. And that's what this hunting story is all about. So, uh, this year, fast forward, like I said, I drew two antelope tags. So I've been hunting with a good buddy of mine, uh, Dan. We've been out on all kinds of adventures this year so far. Uh, this is the first year I've been out on the opening day of a lot of the seasons, waterfall, um, upland bird, uh, antelope, and deer and elk, and just all kinds of things. I've never really been out opening day before. I've kind of avoided it, actually. But uh, this year, um, you know, Dan's a, a very adamant outdoorsman and he's very apt to just get right after it. And he doesn't waste a lot of time. So we've been out opening day quite a few times together, got on all kinds of adventures. We've gotten a few partridge together, got some ducks together, um, done plenty of, of elk and deer hunting with no luck, but we've put the time in for sure. Well, fast forward to antelope season, we both had buck tags and we both drew for the same unit actually. So it worked out really, really well. So, you know, we get in the car the first day and we're heading out to go and uh, he goes, all right, so you got any goals in mind for this? And I said, you know what? I said, if I got my first buck tag for an antelope and I would love to shoot an antelope worth doing a shoulder mount and putting up on the wall um, for my first antelope buck, that would just be my, my goal. Now I'll tell you a little bit of something about me. And if you didn't pick it up in the first few episodes of the praying and slaying podcast, uh, when John was on, um, I'm not exactly a trophy hunter. So I'm a guy that likes to fill my tag and I'm just as happy with the experience getting out there as I am with the size of the animal that I take. Now, that's not to say if I have a choice and I see a few bucks or I'm, I'm going through some things or whatever, that I'll take the best animal I have an opportunity at. However, it's not going to stop me from filling a tag if I just get in that time where I'm like, ah, I'm running out of season time or I'm running out of daylight or whatever. I'm going to fill that tag. So I've never been a trophy hunter, just to say that. I've killed my fair share of big bucks, uh, killed several you know, smaller bucks and things when it comes to whitetails out of the Midwest, stuff like that. But man, it, it's more about the experience for me. So anyway, having never killed an antelope, you can imagine every single antelope we see that has halfway decent horns on its head looks really good to me. So we're going out there and he goes, all right, man, well, we're going to kill a big one then. We'll get after it. And he said, I have a few ideas of where we can find some. So I'm like, all right. So we start driving around and opening day for antelope is unlike anything I've really ever seen. And I don't know if it's unique to Montana or if it's anywhere that rifle season opens for antelope, but it was absolutely nuts. I've never seen more hunters. Anytime we saw an antelope, if you looked around in a 360 degree circle, you would find a hunter that was already going after it. It was absolutely nuts. And in some cases we had multiple hunters going after the same antelope. So uh, side note, be safe if you're out there, guys. Make sure that, uh, you know, if there's an antelope that you're looking at or anything for that matter that you're looking at that you're going to go after and be shooting at, make sure no one else is going after it. I couldn't even count the number of times we saw, you know, a father and son pair setting up on a hill aiming at an antelope, and then we see someone else down lower or someone else up higher heading in to go after that same antelope. All you're doing is asking for trouble. Survey your surroundings. There's no reason, you know, we need to be all out there chasing something. There's plenty of animals to be had. 
you know, get out there, take your time, survey your surroundings and, and make a good choice. So anyway, I say that to, it was just a, a unique experience, but there was antelope everywhere. There's people everywhere. We were having a hard time finding antelope that weren't already being chased. But we basically drove through half of the unit that we had a tag for, and that's a, a very big unit. So we did a lot of driving that day, saw a lot of bucks, and we got out to get closer looks at several of them. And I was so glad that I had Dan with me because there I don't know how many that we got out to look at that we started walking to just to get a little bit closer look that ultimately we pulled the plug on because Dan was like, ah, I think we can do better. I think we can do better. How you know? Having said that, I was looking at him like, uh, if you weren't here, man, <laughs> I would be 300 yards closer to this thing and probably lining up for a shot at this point. So anyway, we, uh, we get out there and we're chasing antelope and we have a heck of an opening weekend. We saw all kinds of animals. We saw some people shoot some animals and, uh, we just never really quite saw what Dan would deem as an antelope. Now Dan's hunted antelope a lot more than I have. He's got some great bucks on his wall that him and his wife have taken and, uh, just really, really knows his stuff when it comes to antelope. So I was learning all kinds of stuff about what to look for at the animal's horns, you know, how tall they should be, how far the forks should be over the years, you know, the curls on the antelope's horns when they curl back or curl into the inside or whatever. All those things add up to a scoreable antelope. Now, again, I'm not much about score, but it was great knowledge to have. When you're looking at something and you're really trying to compare between animals, it's a good thing to, to know what you're looking at. So anyway, that was opening weekend, and uh, we wrapped things up. We went out duck hunting, I think, one day after that, and then we really didn't have a chance to get out again for a little bit. So um, fast forward about a week, and uh, I was just itching to get out and go fill this antelope tag. Him and I had a couple opportunities, but the opportunities didn't really line up. And uh, anyway, I ended up going out on my own on a Wednesday. I was looking at the clock, just waiting on my uh, waiting on work to get over, um, you know, four thirty my time is five thirty office time. That's usually when the the office closes. So I was just waiting for the seconds to kick down, and I, I couldn't wait anymore. I said, you know what, four thirty struck. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go find an antelope today. So I buzzed out, got my rifle in the truck, got all the stuff I needed, and took off down the highway. And I just crossed over into the line of the hunting unit that I have using Onyx Maps, a great tool. If you don't use it, you definitely should, especially if you hunt in a western state. Um, shows you all the boundary lines of the you know, units you have. You can break it down by season because antelope units are different than deer and elk units, things like that. And it shows you private from public lands. So anyway, I've got the Onyx up. I've got it down on my charger. And I'm kind of glancing at it every once in a while once I know I'm getting close to that line. And I just passed the line of when my unit opens up. And I look in this pasture off to the uh, left side of the road, and I see an antelope stand out there. So like, oh, crap. So I look down at my Onyx really quick. Sure enough, it's state land. I see a field entrance coming up, so I slow down, pull into that field entrance, and get my binos out. I look up, and it, the first antelope I spotted um, was actually a really small buck, young buck, maybe a year, year old or so. And then behind him, I see two bucks with big horns on them. I'm like, oh, man, this, this is sweet. So I kind of look at them a little bit more. Both those big bucks pick their head up, and I was like, yep, I'm definitely going after those. Those are big enough for me. So I took off and I got all my stuff ready. I kind of kept the truck door between me and them so they couldn't really see what was going on. Well, they end up dropping down behind this hill. You know, best case scenario, because that gave me time to run across the highway, get over the fence, and get towards them and use that hill as an advantage to get close enough to them. So we, uh, we get out there. I get out there. I crest the first hill. I don't see them, so I'm like, great. So I hustle over that one, get down in the next ravine. 
And I start cresting the second hill and I'm going really, really slow. And I get up and all of a sudden I see horns down on the very bottom behind the hill I'm crawling up on the other side. So antelope are right there. Perfect. I mean, they're, they're extremely close at this point, like within a hundred or within 200, 250 yards or so. And so I get back down over the hill and that's when I start getting the cameras out. I've got my tact cams, obviously. Uh, we got this new spotting scope camera that I really wanted to get this hunt on. So I hook the spotting scope camera up. I make sure my two other cameras are on. Uh, through the FTS, one filming through the scope, one facing me, one on the spotting scope, and I start crawling back over that hill. When I get over the hill, where I saw the first buck is now that small buck. And so I'm like, uh-oh, you know, and he sees me as soon as I crest the hill. Bad bad case scenario because, again, antelope have such good eyesight that they use their eyes to their advantage and they use their speed to their advantage. They can run at extremely high speeds for long periods of time and never look back, and that's what they rely on. So... I already was kind of panicked, so I threw my backpack up quick. I got the spotting scope on him and got the camera all straight. Then I get the gun on the backpack for my rest, and I start looking around. Well, then I saw where the two bigger bucks, they had actually gotten out ahead of him, and they started crawling up on the hill, and they, they for whatever reason, didn't know I was there yet. And they start watching this uh, younger buck because he's getting antsy. He, he sees me, and they're looking at him like, dude, what's up? So... Anyway, I, I, I move the camera on the spotting scope over, the spotter LR, get it on the two big bucks. I'm watching them through there. I get them lined up. I hit record, and then I get lined up for the shot. So they're the two bucks that were there, they were basically the same size, I would say. They probably would have scored out the same, but one was a little taller than the other, and that's the one I wanted to shoot was a taller one. Well, while I was watching this little buck and getting that camera oriented, they had actually crisscrossed. I didn't realize it. So I already knew where that bigger one was that I wanted to go after. And uh, they they switched positions. So when I got, you know, my uh, eyes back in the scope, I'm looking at the lower antelope, which should have been the bigger one. I'm like, man, he looks shorter than I thought he was. So I'm spending a few seconds just kind of looking at him, trying to figure out which one's the bigger one. Well, that little one walked right into my field of view. He took one look at me and he took off and bolted. So I, you know, just kind of went into, I got to get this done now mode pulled the gun up and as soon as the crosshairs went where I wanted I pulled the trigger the antelope got hit took off running and that was the end of it so anyway uh, just a really cool hunt I was super pumped my first antelope buck on the ground you couldn't ask for more in in a first time I mean this was just awesome you know I was able to get within I think the shot was like 230 ish yards um, I mean just just phenomenal getting within that close of three antelope is something that's tough to do especially after they've been harassed for a weekend or about a week at that time from other hunters and these guys were just you know it worked out perfect so i was super pumped i called one of my buddies uh, william kelly out of uh, illinois really quick talked to him told him about it and um uh, got my game bags got all my gear together and i headed out after that antelope well i got my uh i got up to him and you know, I was, I, I will say this a hundred percent and I mean it, I was not disappointed. I was so jacked that I got my first antelope buck. He's an awesome buck. For those of you who know antelope scores, he scored out at like 61 inches, I think. So, um, nothing, nothing crazy, but if that tells you anything, he's 20 inches shy of record book. So that's, you know, he's a mediocre antelope if you're going by score, but just awesome, awesome, awesome hunt. Awesome that I got my first buck. I couldn't have been more excited, but as soon as I saw him, I'm like, I don't think Dan would have let me shoot this buck. He just, he would have said, ah, I think we can find better. I could hear it already. So I'm skinning him out. And the whole time I'm skinning him out, I'm like, you know what? 
I, I think because those words were sitting in the back of my mind, you know, I think we could have done better. You know, my shot had actually messed the cape up a little bit. I'm just going to get this one Euro mounted. So I actually, I didn't get a wall mounter for my first buck because I, you know, a, the hide was kind of toast, which I probably would have still done it if I, the hide would have been good on the brisket area where the bullet impacted. And, uh, anyway, so, but needless to say, Dan would have said, now let's go find another one. And I actually had a plan that day to go check out a spot that Dan had dropped a pin saying he saw some monster bucks over there, but I didn't make it that far because I got so excited on the first thing I saw and I was on my own. I didn't have anyone there to keep me accountable. So went after him. I got it done. I got an awesome hunt on film. Uh, I got, you know, I got the first, my first hunt on the spotter LR that came out this year, which was sweet. And it was all done solo, three cameras by myself. Just you couldn't ask for a better hunt. It was awesome. So anyway, that video will be on lightthefireoutdoors.com. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, super excited to get that video put together here. Um, just yeah, great opportunity, great hunt. But my results were less than what I had initially set out or verbally expressed to a buddy that I wanted to do. But the, the you know the result of it was less than what I probably could have had should I have had my buddy with me. And we went out together and we, we held each other accountable. Um, you know, and, and I say all this and then that's, that's my antelope story. That's my buck story for this year. Again, I couldn't be happier that I got an antelope buck on the ground here in Montana, my home state, got it done in an afternoon. I mean, all said and done drive time and everything. It was like an hour and a half. It was great. And, um, you know, got some phenomenal meat for the freezer. I think I got 12 pounds of hamburger in there and I got about just probably about the same amount, 12 to 12 to 15 pounds or so of, of roasts and different things that I know are just going to be amazing table fare. Uh, another side note, my wife and I, <laughs> I actually convinced Jess to try some raw antelope meat with me. Uh, we were sitting there cutting it up, and I was cutting the roasts up and everything. And I sliced a couple really thin pieces off that were basically like sushi, and uh, we counted a three, and we threw it in our mouth, and you would be totally blown away that that meat, you, you could have passed that off as tuna if you laid it over some rice and called it sushi. It was amazing. No flavor kind of a cold meat, just like almost like a, you know, raw, a raw tuna texture, which was pretty cool. But anyway, again, coming back all the way to the, the footnotes of this podcast episode is that, you know, fellowship is so important in our lives and fellowship really sets us up to achieve and hit the goals that I feel like God has for us in our lives. And, you know, just like this story, you know, if I would have had Dan with me, I think he would have he would have said, "Hey, man, you know, I, th- I really think we can do better," and we would have kept driving, and we, you know, very likely could have found something different. Um, you know, it's uh, it's just part of our lives. The people in the community that we surround ourselves with is so important, and when you surround yourselves with people who you you know and you trust and you have faith in and you believe in, you know, maybe they know a little bit more than you about a certain topic, or maybe they. You know, they've been doing something a little longer than you, or maybe they're just, you know, they're there. So you can bounce ideas off of that. We need that community. And we spend so much time in isolation now with social media and all these other things that are just designed to capture our and hold our attention and pull us away from community um, that it's it's super hard. I think we've we've lost a part of that in ourselves and it rewires us to you know, have certain issues like depression and all these other things where the community and spending time with real people and spending time with people with bigger ideas or other ideas than us, it allows us to grow and it allows us to achieve our goals and keep focused on the bigger goals in life. And, you know, really not having Dan there very well likely kept me from having a bigger buck that day. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I told Dan I wanted a wall hanger. I don't think he would have let me shoot that one. I, it ended up not going on the wall, most likely because I ruined the hide. But either way, I mean, it just wasn't the caliber of buck that we probably could have gone after where I would have said, yep, that one's definitely going on the wall. 
Um, so anyway, like I said, I'm not taking anything away from that hunt. That was sweet, but, uh, either way it, it, it works out good. Well, fast forward to the following weekend. Now, Dan goes out hunting and he tells me he's going out. I said, Hey, yeah, I'm going to go try to fill my antelope. Uh, or I had to, I, I had some other neighbors actually, uh, I took them on their first duck hunt, which was awesome. We had two new guys that never duck hunted before. I had the opportunity to take them out and guide them on this place. And uh, they ended up getting their first ducks, each of them, which was kind of cool. And I ended up with, uh, a, you know, five minutes, sorry, a limit of ducks here in Montana is seven. And I ended up with five of my own. They each ended up with a couple, which was really cool. Um, I think we got some ringneck ducks, some ruddy ducks, got a mallard. Uh, had some opportunities at some snow geese, just really fun hunt in the cold and the snow, but that weekend was just super snowy. So Dan's like, Hey man, I'm going out antelope hunting. Do you want to go? I said, no, I'm going to take these guys duck hunting. You go ahead and go out and you know, hopefully you get one, man. Good luck. So fast forward a few hours later, Dan texts me this picture of this absolute monster antelope. I mean, just the second I saw it, it dwarfed mine. And I was like, gosh, dang it, you've got to be kidding me. Of course you get this giant buck when I'm not with you, right? And, uh, you know, not out of jealousy, but out of like, gosh, I should have waited till the weekend and got antelope hunting. You know, I should have waited to go with Dan. And, uh, so anyway, we, I obviously call him up. I hear the story and he's like, dude, you should have been there. He said, this one was big. There was another one that was bigger that you would have gotten if you would have been here. And uh, I was like, okay. And he, he films everything too. So he's got a, a, uh, a little digital camera he carries with him that does a really good job. And he filmed this thing. So he filmed this huge herd of antelope that he ran into out on this place. And it was actually the place that I was going, that I was heading to. But I stopped early because I didn't have him to say, no, keep going. I stopped early and I got my antelope when I could have been heading right to the place where he got this one, plus the bigger one that was out there. And uh, anyway, he gets this other one on film. He pulls up the video and shows me, and it was just an absolute tank. I mean, it was twice as big as his. I feel like he was just an absolute monster. And, uh, you know, it just kind of shows, again, you wait for it. You take the time. You go with a buddy. You have that fellowship with you. The return can be so much greater if you take the time to be patient, if you take the time to bounce ideas off people, if you take the time to be part of a community and rely on your community to keep you guided, keep you focused, keep you on those goals. My goal is a wall hanger antelope. I've got a wall hanger antelope on the ground, but it's going up as a euro. If I would have waited for him, there would have been zero question. I would have had one of the biggest antelope I could have possibly ever taken in my life hanging on my wall here in a few months if the taxidermist was done with it. So congrats to Dan. He got an absolute tank of an antelope. It was awesome. There was another one that's out there. Hopefully he's there next year and we'll set sights to go after him again next year. But just an awesome, awesome, awesome antelope. So again, guys, you know, part of, you know, this story is obviously about antelope hunting, but the other part of it is about fellowship and and having those people in your lives and finding those people in your lives and taking time to foster and put time and energy into those relationships in your life with people who keep you on the right track, who keep you focused and who keep you pointed in the right direction. You know, this hunt again, I could have had a, a buck that was twice as big, probably gone record book. Um, you know, if I would have taken some time and just, you know, fostered that relationship, gone out with my buddy and had him there with me to point me in the right direction. Uh, and I didn't, so I got to, you know, the results were a little bit smaller than, you know, horn size smaller, but that goes for anything in our lives. You know, how many times have you, you gone out and tried doing something solo and you just give up on it because you don't have the encouragement maybe you needed to keep going or that person to keep pushing you 
to stay side by side. I don't know if you guys watch a lot of uh, like history channel stuff, but I was actually watching a show the other day of, uh, I should, I shouldn't be alive. And there was an episode where these people had to abandon a, uh, a boat because it was sinking in a storm and they get on a life raft. Well, two of the people end up surviving out of the whole group that was in there, but they had each other and they both from the beginning kind of set up, you know, you could tell they were both a little bit mentally stronger than the other people. But they knew that about each other. They recognized it, and they used each other to keep pushing on, and, and it ultimately survived. You know, a situation where they very well luckily could have died or should have died, with the amount of dehydration and lack of food and everything they had. You know, it's just, you know, there's so much strength in community, and even if that community is one other person in your life. You know, I had a a roommate in college. His name's Scotty, and uh, to this day, one of the most influential people that I've ever had the opportunity to meet in my life. And I'll tell you right now, I've never been more focused in my life on what's truly important as to the time I had to spend with him, you know, and, and I think back on that a lot cause it helps keep me grounded a little bit, helps me reflect on things a little deeper. You know, my wife and I, we definitely complete each other out as far as, you know, she's got strengths that I don't have. I've got strengths that she doesn't have. And we're constantly on a daily basis, you know, keeping each other in check or, or helping each other out with certain situations, or she's talking to me about situations she ran into that day, or I'm talking to her about things I ran into that day. And our person or the difference in perspectives keeps us grounded, keeps us moving forward, keeps us to making the right decisions or keep us to, um, you know, just ultimately achieving the goals that we have on our own. And it also, you know, you develop goals together and you can both keep each other accountable in making the right decisions and reaching the goals that you have and all that good stuff. Um, so, you know, the Bible tells us a lot about community and one of my favorite absolute all-time verses is to go to and i'm sure you've probably heard it before it's actually proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, and it says as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another person and this is just it's a hundred percent i mean if i'm if i'm having a weekday and you've got you know i've got a buddy who can just come in and give you a little bit of encouragement that makes you sharper. If maybe you're, maybe you're making the wrong decisions. Maybe you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, or maybe you're going down a path you shouldn't be going. Those people in your lives that have your best interests in mind and who you kind of just rely on, maybe they've got different strengths or maybe they see things differently than you. They can guide you back to the path you should be on. Again, it's about becoming the sharpest person you can be in this life, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically, and if you don't have that accountability and you don't have that partnership and that, you know, the fellowship in your life to keep you guided on that path, you're up to your own devices. And a lot of times, you know, we've got a lot of things weighing in on us. You know, the day is the social media, you know, the, you know, there's all kinds of things that just impact us constantly, nonstop on a daily basis that can guide you in a thousand different directions. You don't even know which way is right. That's what those people in your lives for, those real relationships, that real time you spend with these people in your life. That's what they're there for. And it helps keep you sharp and it helps keep you in the right direction. Um, you know, another one, uh, first Thessalonians five eleven. you know, therefore encourage one another and build up one another. That's uh, that's extremely important. You know, part of our lives in today's day and age, we're just bombarded with negative, negative, negative. And a lot of it, uh, if you haven't watched it, by the way, um, my wife and I took some time and we watched, uh, I think it's called the social dilemma. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary, but it's about the, the social media impact of our lives right now. And, and kind of it's basically an experiment at this point still, you know, it's, it's relatively new in our lives this last decade. It's, it's gone exponential, but we have so much negative in our lives and it's because the, the types of things and, and watch this documentary, I'm not going to get too much into it, but basically the way these things are designed, it's, it's computer alg algorithms and the things that get you to react are the things that impact you the most. And it's the things that it will keep throwing at you because it 
it's basically like giving a dog a treat when the dog you tell the dog to sit and it sits when you click something you're telling that dog you know good boy and it's like giving the dog a treat when the dog sits because it thinks it did the right thing to you and that's what it's designed to do it's designed to capture your attention and keep your attention so either way negativity spreads like crazy on these things because guess what triggers you the most guess what gets your heart racing the most guess what you know gives you that thump in the chest makes you want to react makes you want to comment makes you want to like makes you want to do whatever it's usually something that triggers you that's what these things are for and the you know i think part of the lack of personal uh, interaction and the lack of fellowship we have in our lives now because we're getting so isolated um, we're, we're lacking encouragement. We're lacking people saying, Hey man, I believe in you get after it, go after it. I know you can do this. I know you've got this or Hey man, you know, why don't you stop doing that dude? Come on, let's go this way or let's start doing this. Or, Hey man, how can I help you with something? I see you're struggling. We don't have a lot of that anymore. It's all fake. It's all pretend. And we're really losing out on some of the best years and some of the best opportunities in our lives because of it. And again, it just makes it fellowship is so important in our lives. And you really got to get out there and start doing these things and making these relationships and spending time and energy here and, uh, and really ultimately striving to achieve the goals that you've set out for yourself. Cause I know every single one of us has goals we've set. I know we've all got places we'd like to be. Maybe there's a place at work you'd like to be a position you want to take. Maybe there's, you know, something you've got in mind that you're just trying to achieve get people in your life that will guide you and help you to reach those goals. That's so important. And just keep you on the right path and keep your heart and mind settled in the right place. That's the other thing with it is, you know, again, people with different ideas and different opinions and, and different, you know, outlooks on everything can keep you rooted in the place you need to be, um, which is just super, super important. But anyway, again, First Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another, build each other up. It's so important. If you got someone in your life, be sure to make someone. I was just listening to the uh, – give a shout-out to the guys who have the Working Class Bowhunter podcast. I was just listening to theirs with Mike Dur- or, uh, Mark Drury the other day, and uh, he said you know, a secret to a long, happy marriage or somewhere to this effect is uh, doing something that makes your spouse happy every day. How, you know, how many relationships nowadays are ending in divorce or things like that? I mean, it's absolutely insane. It's somewhere in the ballpark of 50%, which is outstanding, not in a good way. Um, but what if every single one of those relationships, that was their goal every day? Make my spouse happy in one way today. Do something that will put a smile on their face once today. You know, that kind of stuff. And that goes for everything in your life. Be that smile. Be the the voice or the the sense of reason or whatever that puts a smile on someone's face today, encourage somebody, build them up. Don't tear them down. That's what life's all about. And, uh, and again, as iron sharpens iron, just like you put a smile on your face, guess what? That creates a contagious effect and it goes into someone else's life. And at the end of the day, the more positive we are, the more goal, more goal oriented we are say that 10 times fast. Um, I think we're going to get a lot farther and, and we've got a lot of hope in our life still. We've got a lot of hope in our society and, you know, this great country we have the opportunity to live in here in the United States. We've got so much hope here and so much things that so many good things that can still come out of everything that we're doing. We just don't see it anymore because we're trapped in a negative isolation state and we don't take enough time to listen to each other, try to sharpen each other, try to listen to each other and try to guide each other towards shooting that big buck towards saying, Hey, pass on that small stuff. Don't let that small stuff bother you. Don't sweat the small stuff. Let's go after the big one. Let's, let's make something positive happen. Let's make a really big impact here. And that's what it's all about guys is iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another Proverbs 17, seven or 27, 17, just super important. So that's where I'm going to leave you guys off. Uh, I heard the wife just get home. Good to go downstairs. We got some dinner to eat. Maybe we'll have some antelope tonight. 
Uh, be sure to keep a check out at lightthefireoutdoors.com. We have all the videos coming in. You're going to see the video of the hunt I just told you about for my first buck antelope, which was awesome. I'm going to get that edited up. That's going to be up, up on the website here soon. Uh, we've got another antelope video from last year I want to put up, kind of capitalizing on the antelope season here and all kinds of stuff going up there as well. We're going to uh, restart the blog uh, program we had on there as well, getting some of those things up. So just constant sources of encouragement, some cool videos if you want to you know, burn some time at work on your break or whatever check out one of our hunting videos um you know and then winter's here we still have some beanies left from last year we made some light to fire outdoors beanies and as a reminder to everybody 30 percent of all of our stuff that you buy from lightsfireoutdoors.com goes to conservation uh outdoors reach ministry and uh vet the veterans community we do something for uh, 10 percent goes to veterans 10 percent goes to uh, conservation support somewhere in the united states and then obviously uh, towards ministry support as well three things that are very near and dear to our hearts so we've got some beanies left on there. We've got black and gray. They're an awesome way to keep your head warm during this winter. I know we got about 12 inches of snow on the ground over the last week here in Montana. A lot of other places getting snow. So get on there, grab a beanie, support conservation, support ministry, and support uh, the veteran community as well. And as always, guys, thank you for listening to the Praying and Slaying podcast. Make sure on whatever platform that you listen to us on, you go out and uh, give us a like or a, a positive rating, and that helps us out, helps keep us relevant, helps people find us, find the encouragement that uh, maybe they get through this podcast as well. And as always, guys, God bless. Keep praying and slaying. Get out and vote. It's important right now. It's always going to be important, so get out and exercise that right. And uh, we love you guys. Have a great, great, great day. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Praying and Slaying podcast. If you like what you hear on Praying and Slaying, be sure to give us a five-star rating on whatever platform that you listen to us on. And be sure to check us out at www.lightthefireoutdoors.com, where you can find all the episodes as well as other videos and other outdoor faith-based content. And be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Light the Fire Outdoors. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to getting you on the next one.